It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, we've been looking at a study in the book of Ephesians, starting in chapter 4, verse 17, and walking through the chapter. On the very first part, if you go back a couple of studies, we've been talking about this idea of our former way of living. Paul says this was the mindset, the philosophy, the lifestyle of the world, and that should not define our lives. In other words, it is a former way of living. It's a former way of thinking. We are now Christians in Christ Jesus. And as Paul says, we did not learn Christ that way. Well, as we were talking about in the last study, this idea of learning Christ is so phenomenal that we have this intimate, personal, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ where we are ever being conformed to his image. And I mentioned that we were going to take the next couple of studies and break down what Paul says in this section. So let me just read Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 20, going down to verse 24. Paul says this, But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed, or since, you heard about him and were taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. To lay aside, in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth." We've been talking about, again, this idea of learning Christ. And in the passage, Paul gives three clear things as an outflow of this reality of what does it mean to learn Christ. Again, he says, number one, that we are to lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Number two, he says that we are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And number three, we are to put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. So what I'd like to do over these next couple of studies is look at each of these. So in today, I want to talk about this idea of putting off the old. Again, Paul says in the first part of this section that we're to put off this former way of living. Again, let me just read what he said in terms of our former way of living that we're to put off. He says that we are to no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their mind and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now, we went through this in detail a couple studies ago, so if you want more details, go back and refresh yourself in that study. But again, Paul's talking about the lifestyle that we used to have. And as I mentioned, I love this statement as an umbrella declaration. Uh, The Renaissance New Testament commentary translates that very first section as this, that we are to no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the tragic stupidity of their philosophy. In other words, the mindset, the lifestyle, the attitude that the world has that is just full of sin and selfishness that should not define or be a part of the life of a believer. In fact, Paul says in our passage, well, what does it mean to learn Christ? If that was our former way of thinking and we learned Christ, well, what does that mean? 
Paul says it means that we are to put off something, that former way of living. That word put off in the Greek means to stop oneself from being in a state or condition. It means to take off, to lay aside, or to put away. It's interesting when you look at that word, it's used eight times in the New Testament. And seven of those have this idea of to really throw off or to put away something negative or sinful. And there's one time that word is used in a very physical kind of a way, and it's in the context of stoning Stephen. You know the story in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is brought in and he, he gives this amazing sermon and these men drag him outside the city. They pick up rocks and they're going to throw them at Stephen and he's going to die as a martyr. And it says, let me just read it, Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 58. It says, but crying out with a loud voice, they covered their ears. This is at the end of Stephen's sermon. And they rushed at Stephen with one accord. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside, that's our word, that they put off their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And I want to make an observation here. And it's this. It is interesting to me that the one time that this word is used in a physical sense, that there was such an intensity to kill Stephen, that it was a violent casting off. In other words, it was a resolute, determined, not going to let anything hinder me throwing off. So think about this idea. Here, Stephen, he gives this incredible sermon. And then these men who hear it, they, they cover their ears and they're just like, no, this is ridiculous. And out of anger and venomance, they just, they grab Stephen, they yank him out of the city and they just throw their cloaks to the side and because they don't want anything to hinder them from grabbing that rock and stoning Stephen. And it's our word to put off. Isn't it fascinating that this idea of putting off is not just like, a, oh, casual, let, let a, you know, throw, you know, throw a little thing over there. Uh, the idea is actually like put off a coat. Uh, here you are, it's, it's, it's the middle of winter time and you're, and you're in this you know bundled up uh, coat and you come inside the house and you just, oh, you put it off. And I don't know about how you take off coats, but I don't, I don't throw coats around my house. I just casually take it off and I hang it on a hanger and that's not this idea. It seems like in the, in the undercurrent of the context is that there is this aggressive hucking, throwing, intense getting rid of kind of an idea. So in the same manner that these men would have thrown off their cloaks so that there's nothing hindering them so they can stone Stephen. I know it's a bad example. <laughs> what would it look like if I was to take my former way of living and all the sinful propensity and I would put it off with as much intensity as these men put off their garments to stone Stephen? I want to read just the other seven times this word shows up, this put off, because I want you to hear just the tone of this word. Again, it's not just a casual, well, maybe I shouldn't let this be a part of my life. Maybe I'll just dabble in it a little bit. Rather, this word is so strong and that anything that hinders, anything that trips us up, anything that's full of sin needs to be just thrown off. And what if like I would pick up a baseball and just huck that baseball as hard and as far as possible? What if we would have that with the sin in our lives? that we wouldn't justify it, we wouldn't dabble in it, we would actually cast it and throw it off as far as possible. So listen to how this word is used. In Romans chapter 13, verse 12, Paul says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside, put off the deeds of darkness and put on 
the armor of light. In Ephesians 4.22, uh, it says, this is our passage, to lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And then a few verses later in verse 25, he says that we are to put off, we're to throw aside, lay aside falsehood or, or lying. In Colossians 3.8, Paul says, but now you also lay them all aside, put these off. And he gives a list, wrath, anger, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, perhaps this is probably the most famous one of all these. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside, put off every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. James chapter one, verse 21 says, therefore, lay aside, put off all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in gentleness, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Peter in first Peter two, one says this, therefore, lay aside, put off all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Do you hear that tone? This isn't like a, well, maybe you shouldn't participate in this stuff. This is a, hey, you need to aggressively get rid of this stuff. You, just like you would pick up a baseball and hawk it and just throw it off. What would happen if you would take these areas of sin, these selfish propensities, and you would put them off, that you would lay them aside, that you would hawk them? And yes, it is a clothing language. It's, it's a, remove that overcoat of sin and put on something new, Jesus, which we're going to get to in a future study. But I want you to hear the intensity. This isn't casual. This isn't just passive. This isn't just, well, maybe I'll consider it. This is an aggressive, intense throwing off of anything that's going to hinder. In fact, let me just compile a list of all those things that all those verses say that we are to put off. Listen to this. This is just intense. None of this should be a part of our lives. So we are to put off, throw away, huck as far away from us as possible every deed of darkness, our former conduct, the old man, which is that sinful, selfish propensity, deceitful lusts, lying, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, sin, filthiness, wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking or slander. In other words, you get this tone that anything that is in the mindset of the world, anything that is reference to our former way of living, that sinful, selfish propensity, that is not to be in our lives. That that must be removed. And just as you would take off an overcoat and put on a new garment, we are to put off sin and put on Jesus Christ. That there is a clothing of a Christian that we are to wear. Well, what is it? Jesus. And anything that doesn't look like Jesus must be removed. In fact, what would happen if you would pick it up like a baseball and just throw off, put off, toss away everything that doesn't look like Christ in your life? See, the idea in scripture is that we are to be conformed to Christ. We were talking about this in the last study, but there's this idea when we were learning Christ, it's this idea of being schooled in him. We're not learning about Jesus Rather, his life invades my own through his spirit, and he begins to conform me and press me under the reality of him. 
that I begin to walk in holiness and righteousness and godliness. One of my becoming all-time favorite verses in scripture is Romans 8, 29. Now, a lot of us know Romans 8, 28, and, and this is what it says. Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But then he makes the, the reason for all this. He says, because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, get this, to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. I love that idea of being conformed to the image of Christ. And I've used this illustration several times, but you know, when we were little kids, we used to play with Play-Doh and you'd have those plastic molds, like they would have some animal shape. And I would take that Play-Doh and you would shove it into that plastic mold and you would just shove as hard as you could. And anything that didn't fit in that plastic mold, anything that wasn't conformed to that mold, you would cut away because you wanted the Play-Doh to be fully conformed to that image. Do you realize that's what Jesus is doing in our lives? He says in verse 28, the reason he's using all things for good, the reason, the reason he's leveraging all things in your life is so that he could take your life through all the, all the issues and trials and hardships and difficulties. He's taking you and shoving you into a mold that looks just like himself. And anything that doesn't look like Christ, he's going to cut away from you. See, wouldn't it be interesting if the whole purpose of what God is wanting to do in your life is not just to save you from your sin. I mean, that is so incredible. But the reason he is saving you from your sins is so that we would actually look like Jesus, that we would walk in holiness and godliness and righteousness, and we would be conformed. We'd be shoved into this image that looks just like him, that our mindsets, our attitudes, our language, our, our motives, all would be centered and focused upon him, that he would be our life because he is life itself. So Paul says, hey, look, this former way of living, you are to put off. You are to throw it off. Why? Well, because there's something better happening in your life. You are a Christian and you are being conformed to his image. You are being sanctified in him. In fact, Jesus said this in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And I love that idea because, and one of the big passions of my heart is for you to be in the word, because as we get into the word, we understand this isn't Jesus. But as I get into this word, it begins to press me and reveal to, the, reveal to me the reality of who Christ is. It showcases his heart and his nature. And as such, it begins to convict my heart saying, Nathan, do you see that area of your life? That doesn't look like Jesus. So would you allow me through my spirit to change that? And I have to come when I, when I, when I study the word saying, God, I, I am not as I should be. Would, would you through your spirit come and change my life and change my thinking and change my language and change my attitude and change my motives? And would you do anything and everything in my life so that I would look like you? That is God's big agenda in your life is not just merely to save you, to get you to heaven. That is amazing. We get that. Praise the Lord. But it's so that the reality of heaven, Christ himself, would be seen and demonstrated through your life here on earth. So again, what is Paul saying in the passage? He says we have this former way of living and we are to out with the old, in with the new, that there should be this new reality taking place. 
And nothing of that old lifestyle should define us. It should no longer have a grip or a hold in our lives as believers. I really love Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is setting up a contrast very similar to what Paul's doing here in Ephesians 4. And Paul talks about the fruit of sin or the fruit of unrighteousness, and he's contrasting that with the fruit of the Spirit. But we know the fruit of the Spirit, right? The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to read the passage where Paul talks about the fruit of the flesh, because this is that former way of thinking. And as I read this, can I just encourage you to have a heart posture before the Lord that just says, Lord, if there's any of this in my heart, if there's any of this in my life, it doesn't matter if anybody sees it, but if there's any evidence of this, any, any speck of shadow in my heart, my motives, my attitudes, my language, my mind, would you put your finger on that? Because this is that former way of living that we are to put off, that we are to toss as hard as we can away from us. So let's just be receptive to the word of God. Let, let's, let's be open and allow the spirit of God to use his word to bring conviction if it's necessary. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 21, about the former way of living. Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you do not do the things that you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds or the fruit of the flesh are evident. Now, here's the list. Which are these? Sexually, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's interesting as you look at Paul's list there, every single one is an inward focus. Every single one is a, I want what I want when I want it. It's this inward, sinful, selfish I'm living out of myself. And Paul says that's not living by the Spirit. That's living out of your flesh, out of you. And that is your former way of living that we're to put off. And when I put on the Lord Jesus Christ, I actually have a new nature. I actually have a new heart, a new mind, a new attitude, a new motive. And I start to live differently. The fruit of that life within me produces something incredibly different. It looks just like Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but as you read through that list, there's some gulps because it's like, well, I, I have a little bit of selfish ambition. I, I do want to be noticed and seen. I, I do want what I want when I want, how I want. But all of that is marked by the world. And yeah, we're born with that, but that is not how a Christian is supposed to live. And I don't know about you, but there's this, <laughs> sometimes this attitude or this mindset, this thought that comes in when you read these kind of lists whether it's Ephesians 4 or Galatians 5, where you kind of just say, but, but I can't help myself. I, I, just, it's just, I, I just, I can't get out of this. Would you be willing for Jesus to change your likes to dislikes? I was with this older man once and, and we were just talking about the Christian life. And he said, Nathan, it's interesting. 
you know, all those things I used to love doing, all those, all those former way of living kind of stuff. He's like, when I fully got into Jesus and I began to get into the word and, and Jesus began to change my life. He goes, it was interesting. Yeah, there was some discipline involved, but it wasn't a buckle down, figure this thing out, grit your teeth, pull this off kind of an attitude. He goes, what I just began to notice is the more I pressed into Jesus, the more I got into this word, the more I fell in love with him and got to know him. And the more I was just talking to him throughout the day and inviting him to change my life. He goes, I, I noticed something radically different happening in my life. And it said, all those things I used to like, I now started to dislike. And all the things I used to not want to do, like read the Bible and pray and all that kind of stuff. He goes, I had this strange desire to do it. Even if you have this propensity where you're just like, I can't help myself. I'm just living in this whirlpool of, of junk and sin and, and selfishness. And I, I can't seem to get out of it. Can I ask you, would you be willing for Jesus to come into your life and change all those things that you used to like, all that former way of living stuff, and actually cause you to dislike them? It probably won't happen immediately. It probably was not going to happen overnight. But I've learned that the more I progress in Jesus, the more I get into his word, the more he changes my affections and my heart and my mind, where I actually don't desire the things of the world. I, I love what Amy Carmichael used to say. She used to quote John Tabler and the statement, this is not verbatim, but the statement was basically that one of the signs of holiness, uh, one of the signs that we know that we're progressing in Jesus is that when the things of this world become actually strange and jarring. See, for so often, you know, we, we watch the entertainment of the world and we think like the world and we act like the world and we talk like the world and we define success like the world and we have the ambition like the world that none of that surprises us. We see stuff, you know, in a movie and we're just like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's just, just normal. But it's interesting, the more I progress in Jesus, the more I, I start to like, that actually bothers me. You know, I, that actually disturbs me. There's something jarring in my soul about those things. See, would you be willing to let Jesus do that in you? Where we don't just justify, we, we don't just say, well, that's just, that's just my personality. That, that's just how I grew up. That's just my... See, what would it look like if I just said, Jesus, you need to, you need to change everything in my life. So Lord, would you have at it? Would you, would you do whatever is necessary to bring about the reality of Christ so that all of my former way of living, all of my sin, all of my selfishness would be put off, thrown away, hawked as far as I can with like, with like a baseball. That would be like an overcoat that I toss aside so that I, I put on a new reality, which is Jesus. See, there is this, this amazing truth in scripture, and I love this idea, that when Christ comes into your life, he doesn't improve it. God is not in the improvement business. He, he, he does not improve. He doesn't add on to your life. Jesus radically transforms it. See, it's, it's that whole new nature thing that we've been talking about. Uh, again, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says that when you are in Christ, you are a brand new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's this radical difference. See, Jesus doesn't improve your life. He's not an add-on to your life. He becomes your life. And all of your former way of living is set aside. There's been a line drawn in the sand. That's not who you are anymore. It's incredible that I can have a life in Jesus and his life becomes my life. 
and all the former things have passed away. And behold, what I'm walking in in this new reality is brand new, and it is his life. Think of what Paul's saying here. Paul is arguing that there was this former way of living that we had. But that clothing that we used to wear of sin and, and selfishness and depravity and sexuality that's just twisted and just all of that junk that the, it defines the world, see, all of that has been set aside. In fact, it's like picking up a baseball and throwing it as far as you can. This thing is so far removed from your life, and now you have a brand new reality taking place, which is Jesus, because we have learned him. Can I encourage you to press into that? Can I encourage you that if that if any of this former way of living stuff again defines your life, if you're if you're noticing habits and and addictions, if, if you're noticing thought processes, and do you realize God is able to make you walk and enable you to walk in triumph, to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? That this isn't like a well, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna endure, I'm gonna endure. That this is we can actually live with life and joy and peace and freedom. Well, how does that take place? I need Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I, I desperately need Jesus. Because as I get into the word and as, as I hear this former way of living stuff, there's still these shadow areas. There, there's still these prickles of, see, I want Jesus to reign in totality in my life. And I desperately want that for you as well. So could we find ourselves at the foot of the cross afresh? Uh, could, could we find ourselves in, in an attitude of repentance and surrender in this desperation of saying, Jesus, I, I need you. And may we live in dependence in this abiding, intimate relationship as he consistently conforms us to his incredible life. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.